Hello, everybody. Welcome to this week's edition of Daily Coast to Brief, the last edition of the year of 2023. I'm Marcus Molitsis. I'm here with Kerry Alavelle. This is our weekly show about politics. And and Kerry, two weeks ago, I, you were last week you, you you were running solo. I wasn't around. I was on vacation. And and two weeks ago, I declared like a goodbye to everybody because apparently I don't know how to look at a calendar. <laughs> <laughs> Could happen to anybody. Could happen to anybody. You know. <laughs> I thought that we were that this was going to be Christmas week between Christmas and New Year's. So, so surprise! I, I I did the very dramatic end of year thanking everybody, and then here we are one more time. So, we're going to today's show. Uh, this was Carrie's idea. We're going to talk about the things that we're thankful about politically. Quite honestly, Carrie, it's a good time to be a Democrat, right? I mean, to be a liberal, because we have an opposition that has completely lost touch with reality. They're operating under some different wavelengths, different universe, parallel universe or something. And so that change will be tough. Nobody's pretending otherwise, but they are doing everything in their power to make it easier for Democrats to win. So that's today's theme of the, of the show. Carrie, this was your wonderful idea. I loved it. We said, let's run with it. So I'm gonna let you start. Well, just to be clear, there wasn't a whole lot of forethought here. Um, it was more like it was more like I keep thinking this to myself. So why not just go ahead and like do a show about it? And then, you know, like I come in late three minutes before we're about to sign on. And I'm like, Marcos, what do you think of this? Uh, so anyway, that's how that's how a little bit like, of how the sausage was made behind that's the scenes. Right. That's right. It's very that's the it's thing very, that we spent time preparing. It's a very painstaking process between the two of us. And we, we, we work on the script and get it just right. Um, no, I mean, fortunately, we barely need a script because I was just thinking like, you know, in terms of I, I was thinking about how thankful I am. If we're going to be in this in this very, um, you know, if we're going to face an existential threat to our democracy. Right. And we are. And we are. Right. That that is true for next year. But at least we have Republicans here to help. I mean, they are, you know, Trump is literally, literally plucking out phrases and words from Adolf Hitler's Mein Kampf and repeating them and not just doing it in the right way, in the right wing outlets, you know, and that type of thing, but then also starting to say them at rallies. And I guarantee you, like, the reporting, this is off script, right? This is not, not part of the Trump campaigns, the operatives, the, the people who are running the Trump campaign, who are actually fairly competent. That he's going off, off the prompter when he's doing this stuff. Okay. So there's there's Trump, and then there's House Republicans who are like, we have an idea. Let's go ahead and impeach Joe Biden because all of our like MAGA faithful are desperate for it to happen and it's going to play great in the general election, which is just, I mean, this is just like them being hermetically sealed from reality, especially when they start out admitting that they're going to push forward on this impeachment, but they have no evidence. They're literally saying, well, we have no evidence yet, but we're going to go find it. So that's why we need to do the impeachment. But there's no evidence. I mean, are they even saying we're going to go find it? Because every time they they they, they're asked about it, they're just regurgitating stuff that has been that has been debunked. And because they don't I don't think they care to find anything at this point. They have like pulled out all the stops for a year now, basically the better part of a year and found nothing. 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 I mean, literally. In fact, 
Carrie, I would argue that it's actually remarkable that we have somebody in Joe Biden who's been in, in public uh, service for what, 40, 50 years, and they can't find a single thing. He's squeaky clean. What kind of politician is that squeaky clean? Even the stuff that they're trying to talk about, the fabricated idea that like he somehow was getting reimbursed, like he was somehow was getting paid by his son, which turned out to be reimbursements for a truck. Even those payments happened while he was he wasn't vice president and he wasn't president. I mean, even if those. Even and if it was like three thousand dollars too, and it was like yeah, 000. it was like three to four thousand dollars. Even if those payments were for something, he was a private citizen. I mean, this is like, they the, so they're citizen. just they're so bad at this, and the polling already shows that like no one cares, or I sh- well, no one cares politically in terms of the political future of Joe Biden. That he has a son that obviously like ha- has had a rough go of it and hasn't made some of the best decisions. Yeah, nobody's defending Hunter. Like <laughs> literally nobody. No one's defending Hunter. Dad. And yeah, he's doing so in a position of of compassion, not in not in trying to justify those actions. But in saying he's he's had troubles, he's had challenges, and I love him because he's my son. And only and Republicans th- are repugnant enough to try to make that into something bad. And I think voters are like, this is a this is a nothing burger in terms of whether or not I vote for him, right? You know, everybody has a a member of their family where things aren't going exactly right for them. Everybody understands that it doesn't mean that they're not competent and functional and they can't do their jobs, whatever. So, you know, whatever doubts some voters have about Joe Biden, they have nothing to do with Hunter Biden. What this is, is a perfect base energizer, right? Democrats who are largely like feeling a little disengaged at the moment about Joe Biden's reelect, they're going to be pissed off by this. Okay, so go ahead. Sorry. No, I was going to say, and you actually did it. So I, I interpreted exactly the wrong moment. I was going to say the theme of the show, things we're think, thankful for. Why are we thankful that Republicans are fixated on this Biden impeachment? Yeah, well, exactly. No, you're no, you're exactly right. And I was just, you know, like you were, you were That's like, why I interrupted at the wrong moment. <laughs> no, but once, but no, but you were one step ahead ahead of trying to get me to connect the dots. And I was. The point is, is that. They are just Republicans are just making this making how inept they are, how corrupt they are, how politically motivated they are, how how little they care for the American people, the American people already based on polling. And I can't I don't think I'm going to be able to pull this one out of the hat right now. Just like there's a a large swath of American people who do not think Republicans are doing anything to help them. Um, they are finding no evidence that congressional Republicans are working for the good of of the people. And and this and, and the thing is, it's great because it plays on a bias that people already have, which is that Democrats are more concerned with regular people, everyday people. That's a that's a that's a bias. Cons- that's a bias that voters already have. So Republicans are just amping it up and giving Democrats tons of fodder. Like what the one I I saw recently in one poll, the only one of the few things that people could name that Republicans had managed to do with their majority was keep the government lights on because (laughs) that because that is actually a question like Democrats. It's not a question when Democrats are in charge. Democrats are going to be able to keep the lights on. People actually expect more than that. But for Republicans, they actually they 
that's all they can name. And you know what? It's kind of a pleasant surprise that they haven't shut down the government when they're in the majority, because that is like what they do. That's what they're famous for. So, So, um, yeah, Walter's our our producer. He says that Republicans love talking about the opioid problem. Guess how parents and children feel towards those family members with addiction issues. So, yeah, buying trips across as a compassionate person towards somebody in a family dealing with some some real, real difficult issues. And I'll I'll answer that. I'll I'll take my turn answering that question. Why, Why am I thankful that Republicans are so fixated on the Hunter Biden impeachment? One, they're not doing more damage. They're not passing horrible legislation, you know, targeting trans kids and immigrants and all uh, the punching down that they do um, with society's most most um, vulnerable people. So I'm, I'm glad that that at least they're punching something that that has no real consequence. Uh, and remember, they're so they're so ridiculous that when Hunter Biden was indicted by the special counsel that's looking at the case, they complained about that. They thought that was part of the cover-up. I'm not sure what that logic looks like. Yeah. <laughs> but but J- if the indictment, live. it's part of the cover-up. If they don't indictment, it's part of the cover-up. But, I mean, it's, so it's clear that they're making it so obvious that it's out they're flailing. They got nothing. Two, they got nothing. Yeah. They got nothing. <laughs> this is number two. If they had something of substance, they would be hammering that thing of substance. And they have nothing. They can't hit them on the economy, really, because we have probably the best economy in forever. And now you got stories coming out, finally, saying that everybody expected a a um, recession or at least, a, you know, or, or worse, a depression after the COVID and the high inflation. And instead, we've had the soft landing that nobody thought was possible. Now, we can argue how much of that is Biden, really, how much of it is the, like, who cares? Because people are going to blame or credit Biden, right? That's just the simplistic way that people analyze this sort of thing. So they got nothing. They really got nothing on the economy. They're going to harp on inflation, of course, but it just doesn't have that emotional resonance that it used to have. Um, They got nothing substantive. There's no corruption. There's nobody getting indicted. How many people were indicted in the Trump administration uh, or got hounded out in scandal? like half of them, uh, not a single one in the Obama administration or the Biden administration. We run clean governments. And uh, lastly, um, they are really fixated on something that, as you noted, has zero salience to average Americans. They don't care. They don't get it. If they really start thinking about it, they go, they think, oh, it's just dad was compassionate towards his troubled son. So I, I don't know if there's a family in the, in the country that doesn't have a troubled individual. So this is actually very relatable kind of stuff. And it clearly has no, it hasn't impacted the poll numbers, right? So they're trying to build a sort of Hillary Clinton guilt by association. We're not going to actually give people real facts because none exist. What we're going to do is we're going to create this feeling that there's something, they're all corrupt, Republicans are corrupt. And Trump is going to try to deflect his real corruption by insinuating that both sides do it. Everybody's corrupt. So don't make a decision based on corruption. Like that's, that's the game plan. I just don't see any evidence that it's working and even them on their own, like Lindsey Graham in the Senate can't pretend. Like there's so many Republicans, key Republicans that can't even play along. It's so stupid. And yeah. Republicans are at their most effective when they're unified in voice. What's not the politicians, their leaders, their surrogates, their media. Everybody's just hammering, you know, Hillary's emails. 
What about them? Nothing. Hillary's emails. <laughs> We're just going to say Hillary's emails over and over and over again. Right here, there, there's this Hunter Biden. Okay, Hunter Biden's not Joe Biden. And then you got Republicans going like, there's nothing there. And even Republicans in the House who voted for this impeachment inquiry, not impeachment, impeachment inquiry, even they're like, I don't see anything there. But we're going to vote anyway, just because party loyalty, I guess. So that's why I'm thankful, because they don't have a real issue to run on. And the one that they landed on really doesn't have a lot of salience. And I suspect it doesn't even have a lot of salience with their own base. It's not rallying their base. And uh, will it rally Democrats? You think it will? Remains to be seen. There's so many things that are going to rally them, like abortion and democracy. But I think it adds to that sense of these people aren't serious legislators. They're not really here for the country. They're fixated on stupid things that aren't relevant to anybody. And why don't maybe we elect people that have America's best interests at heart? And let's give that a shot. And I think that argument sort of ties into the democracy argument. Um, so it sort of feeds off of that. And yeah, I'm, I'm thankful that they have nothing better than that in the House. Yeah. And they won't. Nothing's going to change next year. Let me let me make a, a couple points on what you've just been saying. One thing is is that I we can, I know that the the Joe Biden's numbers on the economy, the polling numbers are still not great. And you know, I listened to a bunch of um, you know people who have actually run campaigns, and uh, one of them being Joe Trippy, and he talks a lot about how it takes like it takes at least you know three, four, sometimes even five months for people to start to feel what's happening. So the numbers are amazing. The job creation is amazing. Wages going up faster than inflation, it you know, it is amazing. The the inflation coming down, not prices actually reverting to what they were before because that would be unnatural, right? They're not going to ever go down to where they were. That's an unrealistic Inflation is not a thing generally that we want either. Right, exactly. (laughs) We just want inflation to stop accelerating at the rate that it was, right? So um, it, which was a very, it was at a, at a fast clip. These things, these numbers, I think are, and you're starting to see it in some of the, you know, some of the people like the University of Michigan does a consumer, I don't know, they they test consumer um, feelings about the economy and whatever. It's starting to look brighter, right? Reports like that, analysis like that is starting to look brighter. And I think you're going to start to see, hopefully, just in time for people to really start tuning into, oh, my God, we're going to have probably after, you know, March and the Super Tuesday happens, it's going to be likely clear that even if someone's giving, uh, you know, Trump a little bit of a hard time or a little bit of a run for his money, he's probably going to be the nominee and people are going to start thinking about the economy and all that stuff. So, and Trump and, you know, so like once it gets clear, I think this is a contrast that Democrats can really make and and people, voters will start to feel better about the economy. They'll start to feel it at home. So, Carrie, it sounds like you're thankful for the economy. I'm thankful for the economy and that it's improving for sure. And, um, you know, I hope that we're the trajectory looks solid and looks like it will continue. Um, so but another thing I wanted to say is that one of the reasons that I'm thankful that Donald Trump is like literally quoting Adolf Hitler. Not that I think <laughs> that this is a good thing. OK, but just that the Republicans existing are not a good thing. So yeah, Republicans existing right now, it's not it's not good. Right. So I, I don't think that that's good in and of itself. But what is good is that he's revealing 
what he really wants and really intends to do, the type of leader that he really wants to be if he gets another shot at the Oval Office. So I'm thank thankful that he's being overt about what his intentions are because this is giving the Biden campaign will continue to give them the chance to point out to people um, that, you know, the, the parallels, um, the literal like quotes that he's lifting from books like mein, mein Kampf and other fascist leaders. And what we know is that democracy being on the ballot is very important for Democrats. OK, so I just looked up the numbers today. And in 2022, there were nearly equal numbers of uh, per equal percentages of Republicans and Democrats. Democrats were only slightly more worried about a threat to democracy than Republicans were in 2022, but Democrats were more motivated by it, and people who voted Demo for, for Democrats were more motivated by it. So six in 10 people who identified democracy being under threat voted for congressional Democrats, while only four in 10 people who were motivated by democracy being under threat voted for congressional Republicans. So we'll take that disadvantage. Yeah, and those you know? numbers are quite amazing because remember, Donald Trump was not on the ballot. So that right. was an argument that Democrats were making that the Republican Party was an extension of Donald Trump. That's a much harder argument to make then, look, that's Donald Trump. And he's literally citing fascist leaders. And he's literally saying he's going to be a dictator on day one. Literally being a yeah. dictator on, uh, on day one. So um, that those numbers existed in that midterm election is just a testament to how deeply afraid voters are. And that's going to that's going to amp up by a thousand. Uh, right. In 2024. Right. Right. And here's a here's a Can I add another thing I'm thankful for? Yeah, of course. Well, I mean, again, this is again, I don't want people to think I'm actually thankful for this, but I'm thankful for what we can do with it. OK, which is which is one of the big. So I've been fascinated by, by this idea of the American dream. It's something that, you know, and 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 really how how hollow and even dead it feels to people. Um, so I, there was a Wall Street Journal poll uh, past couple weeks, and I can't remember the exact. It was like 30, something like only 32 percent or 36 percent, maybe tops. But it was like around that many people said that they thought the American dream was still achievable. The idea that if you worked hard, you could get ahead, right? And so I've, I keep arguing that um, as part of its economic pitch, the Biden campaign needs to reimagine what the American dream is. I mean, drastically reimagine it and maybe not even use the, wor the words American dream. That's what, um, that's what Jennifer Fernandez and Kona was arguing last week was that like, you, I mean, she, I asked her about the American dream. She's like, it so doesn't resonate with people. Like maybe just don't even bring it up. That's, a, that's about what she said. So, but, um, but I think that um, one of the things she said in their research that they had done at way to win was that one of the, it was hard for people to dream right now because their biggest dream is simply stability. Stability was a word that came up over and over and over again, people seeking, voters seeking stability. And um, I think that's fascinating. She was talking about people having the freedom to thrive rather than the American dream. But um, but I, this idea, if, if stability is, is what people are really desperate for, who isn't going to be a stable person in office? Joe Biden or... Donald Trump. I mean, Donald Trump is the essence of instability. Chaos. The essence. Chaos. 
He is chaos. Yes, he is complete chaos. And now, some voters, some Republican voters do think of Donald Trump's economic uh, sort of agenda and his economic record as being stable, right? It's increased stably. That is just a complete mirage. The point is, is that I think that just like with this uh, Joe Biden impeachment, just like with Trump quoting Hitler, um, this is another thing that uh, that Democrats can really do something with is play on people wanting stability in their lives and that Donald Trump is just a just an agent of chaos always. Yeah. And if your argument is that Joe Biden and this, this is a sort of a, a big sort of narrative about Joe Biden said he's the old boring guy. Right. It's another name for stability, right? Because stability is like, it's the opposite of it. You don't want to be entertained with your family's finances. (laughs) (laughs) This is not a place to live on the edge. And and this is why actually inflation does have some resonance, right? Because it is instability. When prices, when you expect to pay a certain amount in groceries and suddenly that number goes up, that's instability, which is why it's nice that inflation is coming down. People start to know what to expect. And uh, so, yeah, boring old guy, maybe it's not so bad after the chaos. And I actually think that was a big factor in Biden winning in 2020 was the idea of stability over over the Donald Trump chaos. And he is literally promising chaos like it, it's he's not pretending otherwise. And so yeah, I'm thankful that there's no dog whistling going on. He's not he's not wink, wink to his supporters. He's literally stating what he wants to do. And uh, it's fucking terrifying to anybody paying attention. And more and more people, like you said, after the primaries are going to really start paying attention. Um, we have time for one more one more issue. If, if Can I grab it, Carrie? Oh, OK. So, yeah. Do you want to grab it? You go ahead. Sure. Right. Maybe Sorry. we might have a little more time. So I'll try to be quick. But abortion. And uh, I'm not. That's thankful. what I was going to grab. All right, yes. All right. OK. I'm, obviously, we're not thankful <laughs> that we're right. having to fight this fight. Right. But I will say what I am thankful for is that any pretenses and excuses and rationales that Republicans were throwing out that they were reasonable on the issue are out the door, right? This idea that, oh, they do care about a woman's health and medical exceptions. And then seeing what happened to Katie Cox in Texas, and it's happening, that, that just opened up the door to coverage of right. similar situations all over the country where you have Republicans preventing women from having life-saving uh, medical care because of their ideologies, really sort of putting a, an exclamation point to the fact that there's no such thing as an exception for the health and life of the mother. It doesn't right. exist. They will do everything possible to kill a woman rather than let her actually have life-saving medical care. And, and, and so- Remind people Remind people of who Katie Cox is. I know you said in Texas, but like just for someone who hasn't been- like, Yeah, yeah. You know, yeah. No, Katie Cox needed um, a, a her, her child is- um, non-viable. Yep. And carrying this non-viable child was fetus. actually in date. Huh? Yeah. Fetus. Fetus. Yeah. I mean, she very much wanted a child, another. Yeah. A third, she wanted third, desperately, yeah. desperately. Right. But desperately. yeah, carrying this non-viable fetus actually put her health at risk. The doctor said her health was at risk. A judge agreed that her health was at risk and Republicans led by the attorney general, Ken Paxton, who's corrupt and disgusting and, and horrible, fought it all the way to the Texas Supreme Court where a panel of Republican conservative judges, that's a, I think it's an eight or nine Supreme Court Republican conservative. They basically said they knew better than the doctors. And then she had to go out of state to get her life 
saving medication um, treatment. Not everybody can leave the state. Beyond that, this idea that they, the politicians and conservative judges, no more than doctors, has long been an argument against, against any of these restrictions. And we've long said that Republicans aren't being honest when they're talking about uh, exceptions. They don't want any exceptions. They are absolute extremists. And if you actually truly do believe that abortion is murder, how can you have exceptions? Right? We're not saying don't murder a teenager, but there's exceptions. <laughs> you know, like right. maybe like he's 14, you can murder him. You don't put exceptions on 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 murder. So um, their argument is out the window. They're not pretending. They cannot pretend. So I am thankful that they're not carrying on this lie and that people are believing that Republicans can be reasonable. Because then you have people like Nikki Haley saying things like, we need to find consensus. There's no consensus with people who think this is murder and are doing everything in their power to make sure women like Katie Cox can't get life-saving life saving medic, um, medical care. And we're seeing examples of this all over the country right now, right? The floodgates right. are opening in this coverage. And so the issue I think is gonna have increasing salience in Texas, it's gonna be quite relevant because we have a potentially competitive Senate race. Ted Cruz is a piece of crap, nobody likes him. And this is a sort of issue that may actually galvanize Texans to turn out and vote and finally boot them out. We don't have a lot of pickup right. opportunities in the Senate and this may actually do it. And for people who like who are like, no way, never happened in Texas. Remember that that Beto, um, he came, uh, Beto O'Rourke came two two points within two, two points. points of knocking out Ted Cruz. Partly is a test. What? Six years ago. Yeah. Six or, years ago. Partly yeah. is a testament to like how unpopular, how wildly unpopular Ted Cruz is. No one likes him. You know, this like the his state's like in the freezer basically, and he's like, yeah, I got the life and the kids, and we headed to Mexico. You know what I mean? Like he just is that type of leader. He's so he's still smarmy. But anyway, um, so I just want to piggyback off your point real quick. Tom Bonier, who is a sort of a data guru, um, he's currently CEO of uh, something called the Terra Group, which I'm not familiar with, but most people know him um, as being with Target Smart, right? Which is a he's a Democratic strategist and data analyst, and he's he just last week was digging through the Ohio returns. They had real actual voting returns from real actual voters that they could dig sift through. Those finally became available. And he he literally tweeted out, in case anyone needs more evidence that abortion rights is the most mobilizing force in politics, turnout in Ohio's election this year, remember, abortion was on the ballot. They, uh, they were, they were uh, wanting to put uh, an amendment. Um, they wanted to codify into the Constitution that you could make your own decisions about what kind of reproductive care to get, right? Um, turnout in Ohio's elections this year with abortion rights on the ballot was 95% of the 2022 general election. So that in right, so 2022 was an actual midterm. This is an off-year election, yeah. and they nearly matched that turnout because both abortion was on the ballot and actually also um, legalized, legalizing marijuana was on the ballot. Um, but it's just shocking. Just to throw in a couple of numbers and then I'll, I'll cede the floor to you. But he said turnout among women under the age of 50 was at 113 percent of 2022 levels. They ex Turnout of women under 50 exceeded how much they accounted for in terms of the twenty the electorate in twenty twenty two, 
And let's see, among the overall electorate, women exceeded men by six points, while in 2022, women only exceeded men by three points. So you, the other thing is that voters under 35 increased their share of the electorate by just over one point. And Bonnier points out that even though it doesn't sound like a big number, odd year electric odd year electorates typically skew much older than those held in even years. So the idea um, that that the voters under 30 increased at all is like unheard of. So young women, young voters, women in general, like he is calling it basically abortion, the best mobilizing force you can ask, organizing force you can ask for. Yeah, and while people are sort of obsessed with polls, the fact is we actually have real election results and Bonnier has been really all over those election results. And for example, he found that the electorate this year in 2020, both 2022 and 2023 are still more Republican than the electorate will be next year. There is still a historical overperformance among Republican groups in off-year elections than there are in presidential year elections. That's coming next year. So as good as Democrats have been doing, are dem- I'm thankful that demographically we will be looking even better next year. Doesn't mean it's in the bag. People need to understand we're going to fight and never take Trump, <laughs> never take Trump and his people for granted, right? We ain't making that mistake again. 2016 cannot happen again, but it means that we are have certain advantages. They can't shut up. They're honest about their agenda. That agenda is incredibly, incredibly unpopular. And the stuff that they're using against Joe Biden and Democrats is absolute nonsense with zero salience, zero resonance with the public. So I am thankful for all of that. Carrie, I'm thankful for you and I'm thankful for Walter and I'm thankful for everybody's fighting this fight because guys, it's existential. It always is. (laughs) It's exhausting sometimes, but they don't rest. They do not stop and we cannot either until we drive that metaphorical stake through the heart of MAGA and we can do that this November. So this is going to be an incredibly important year for us. So happy, so proud, so uh, excited to have all of you by our side, fighting this good fight. Enjoy the holidays, rest up, drink, be merry, enjoy your family, and then just prepare, because next year is going to be a fight. But, Carrie, I think we're going to have fun fighting it, too. Oh, yeah, yeah. I mean, there's there's fun. Like, look, you know what? It always feels good to be on the morally right side of any <laughs> issue, right? It like. I get up in the morning, every morning and look myself in the mirror and think I'm a decent human being. And you know what? I say what I stand for. And I I don't care whether that's, you know, whether MAGA folks like that or don't like that or whatever. But like being on the morally righteous side of the arc of the moral universe, as, as, you know, Martin Luther King Jr. once said, and and Dr. Martin Luther King Jr. And then um, sort of uh, Barack Obama helped sort of resurrect that quote a little bit. Um, but is always a good place to be. It's always, always a good place to be. And so I'd much rather be us than them, yeah. not just because of all of the things we just talked about that I really feel like are on our side next year, but because I like to look at myself in the mirror every morning and like what I see back. So... You guys can, you guys join in feeling good about that. Um, I also want to wish you happy holidays. And Marcos, you want a final thought? Yeah, happy New Year's. Rest up, get ready. We're going to have a good one next year. So thanks, love you all. Catch you all on the flip side. Bye-bye.